When a company makes a pivot in a different direction, everything changes. The flow of money is different. The customer characteristics certainly change, but so does the culture within the company. The priorities shift and the decision points are different. A pivot is built on three things, customer, culture, and cash. This is part two of my series about building a successful pivot, culture. My name is Wes Biggers, and you are listening to Pivot in Place. This podcast is being recorded on May 10th, 2020. Here in the United States, we are entering the 10th week of social distancing. In most communities across the country, the conversation is turning toward when can we get back to normal and stop social distancing? Yes, we have flattened the curve, and the spread of the virus isn't accelerating, but seems to be constant or declining. A simple reminder to everyone that flattening the curve didn't necessarily mean preventing everyone getting the virus, only prolonging how long it will take to propagate the virus throughout the majority of the population. If you like my podcast and think there is useful information, let me know. Ranking algorithms typically rely on overall activity like ratings, favorites, subscriptions, and comments. Please help my podcast reach more people through search results and sharing. You can find all the podcast services where I'm listed, as well as a link to the RSS direct feed on my website, www.pivot-in-place. In is spelled out I-N, where you can also leave comments or send me an email. Today, we are talking about the culture aspect of a pivot. Where the customer often helps you define when and where you need to pivot, culture is a bit more obscure. And to be clear, I'm referring to the culture within your company. What type of employees do you have? What are their skill sets? How does your company operate How do your managers manage? Even what age are the different levels of your employees? And no, that doesn't mean that a younger workforce is more adaptable. In some cases, quite the opposite. It all depends. To pick an analogy for this discussion, I'm going to use music. My kids were members of a phenomenal music education group in Denver called the Colorado Honor Band. I watched and learned with great interest as Eric and Olivia progressed upward through their musical skills and into higher levels of performance and into more difficult musical literature. Of particular interest to me was the music for the summer when different ability levels were put together in a large performance band. It was complicated and different every summer. The music chosen changed year to year. Having watched over 14 years of participation, I talked with many of the directors and learned the nuances they considered when they chose the music. It had to be entertaining for the audience and interesting for the musicians to play. There needed to be a mix of parts with enough complexity to challenge the advanced players, yet simple enough to not disenfranchise the students with more rudimentary and basic skills. There was always a range of music chosen. Some would end up being very entertaining, but not much fun to play. Some would be just too much of a challenge for the group to gel and become a cohesive sound. The growth that was evident within a short period when the musicians were engaged and knew that they had something that the audience would also enjoy was amazing to watch. 
Sometimes, all it took was a single three-hour rehearsal to make a piece go from unidentifiable to real music. A second rehearsal, and some independent practice, presented a piece that, while not production-ready, was certainly capable of being performed to gain audience appreciation and feedback. You get my drift. As the leader of your band, so to speak, you need to ensure that everyone is playing from the same sheet of music. But not only that, you need to ensure that every musician is able to play the music you've chosen. You even need to help your musicians understand what is happening when you place a jazz chart in front of the classical violinist who hasn't played anything other than Beethoven and Bach for the last 20 years of her career. There are many facets to leadership. This is just a brief discussion of things that you need to consider on culture. After the break, how culture is like a diamond in the rough. Welcome back. Like a diamond, culture is not a simple two-dimensional thing. It is not simply an employer-employee relationship of work to be done and compensation for doing it. That, in fact, is one of the elements of the new gig economy that concerns me the most, a topic for another time. There are multiple facets to this pivot and culture question. Just a few of those are, do your employees have the skills needed in the pivot? Can you clearly communicate the new expectations to them? Do they want or support the new direction? And finally, what impact will the new direction have on the culture? Will your classical musicians start acting differently as a group as they learn to be comfortable and excel at playing funk, blues, or country? Beethoven to Stevie Wonder to B.B. King to Reba McIntyre and even to Culture Club, which I think is a great reference. In my pivots, I have always viewed the cultural aspect as the hardest and most critical element to consider. In one, I was going from being a service company to being a manufacturer worried about regulatory compliance and dealing with product warranty and liability. That is a big change in how the employees think about company operations. In that case, I was fortunate in having a key manager that, although he wasn't originally on board with the idea, followed my leadership, and made valuable and essential contributions. In another company, I targeted a specific client group and was sadly overestimating the ability of my sales team to embrace the different culture and skills needed to appeal to that market. Evaluating cultural flexibility and resilience is a subtle wizardry skill. You alone may not be able to estimate your company's flexibility. In a recent article, I read about companies that have adopted a shadow board. This was an article from the Harvard Business Review, and it talked about how some companies have created a type of board of directors without director authority, but given the mission of accomplishing an objective. In one example of this concept, the company was responding to market changes through a shadow board of chosen employees to allow the company to stay current and relevant in the market. Their competitor, who stuck to the traditional model of management, remained stagnant and stale. It literally made the difference between doubling in growth or shrinking by half in the same amount of time. You alone do not have to make the decision of where to go, 
but you alone have to make the decision to go somewhere else. This will be a critical couple of weeks for us, and if the experiment of maintaining control over the infection rate is not successful, we will likely plunge into a second cycle of 10 to 15 weeks of social distancing. If we are able to control the infection rate, we are certainly facing a change in how we interact for everything from weddings and funerals to intimate gatherings to daily working conditions and travel. I think it is safe to say that there will be changes and you need to make decisions about what your survival looks like. And if that statement confuses you, listen to episode two, What Does It Mean to Survive? Stay safe, stay healthy, be personally responsible. My name's Wes Biggers. Thank you for listening. This is Pivot in Place.